The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Good morning, I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. Here are the stories we're following today. We begin with rising tensions in the Middle East. The U.S. carried out more strikes on Houthi targets in Yemen overnight as the Iran-backed militant group continues to go after Red Sea shipping. This is at least the fourth U.S.-led attack on the Houthis in the past week. Major General Pat Ryder speaks for the Pentagon. The objective here was to disrupt and degrade Houthi capabilities to conduct attacks. Uh, and we believe that overall, in terms of the scope and the number of strikes that we took, we have degraded uh, their ability to attack. Pentagon spokesman Pat Ryder says the U.S. targeted 14 Houthi missiles that were primed for launch. Meanwhile, Nathan, Pakistan's military has carried out strikes against what it describes as terrorist hideouts in Iran. The move came after Iran attacked a separatist group in a Pakistani province along its border. Bloomberg's Middle East economics and government editor Paul Wallace says the escalation is very unusual. The two have a complicated but normally quite cordial relationship. This is pretty much unprecedented what we're seeing now with both of them striking each other's territory. Of course, they're not going for the other government as it were. They are going for what they call our terrorists in each other's territory. But I think what we're seeing is this is just the latest arena opening up in the wider Middle Eastern conflict that began in early October when, when Hamas attacked Israel. And Bloomberg's Paul Wallace says Pakistan is recalling its envoy from Tehran. Well, Karen, these latest incidents in the Middle East have oil on the rise this morning. Checking NYMEX crude, it's up eight-tenths of one percent at $73.15 per barrel. Meanwhile, the International Energy Agency says global oil markets are likely to remain reasonably well supplied this year, provided there are no major disruptions. Well, Nathan, on the political front at home, the long-awaited conversation between President Biden and congressional leaders over Ukraine aid did not yield results. And Bloomberg's Ed Baxter has the story. The GOP issue going in. Border, border, border. And House Speaker Mike Johnson says that's what he talked about. I told the president what I have been saying for many months, and that is that we must have change at the border. Substantive policy change. Ed says that was not in the offing. Different picture from Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer. If we don't come to Ukraine's aid, that the consequences for America around the globe would be nothing short of devastating. And President Biden says he told congressional leaders that they must act now on the border. Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Radio. All right, Ed, thanks. Secretary of State Antony Blinken has been representing the U.S. at the World Economic Forum in Davos this week. He left Switzerland yesterday, but not before a delay on the tarmac. There was an oxygen leak on his Boeing jet, and it couldn't be fixed, so a smaller jet had to be flown in from Brussels to take Blinken back to Washington. Many of his aides and members of the press pool had to fly commercially. Well, speaking of Davos, Nathan, Bloomberg News has been speaking all week to executives and politicians from around the world at the World Economic Forum. This morning, we caught up with the CEO of Barclays. C.S. Krishnan defended his firm's investment banking division. We are the leading investment bank domiciled outside the United States. And what I find in my travels, especially in the world, in the geopolitical world in which we live, is people are looking for a partner and a counterpart who's not just a U.S. bank. 
C.S. Venkatakrishnan, added that Barclays has been reviewing its strategy for months. He spoke with Bloomberg's Francine Lacqua at the World Economic Forum in Davos. Well, turning to Wall Street, Karen, investors are waiting for another key economic report as doubt grows on when the Fed will start cutting rates. Let's get the latest with Bloomberg's John Tucker. John. And Nathan, jobless claims could be particularly telling now that seasonal layoffs around the holidays are largely complete. Bloomberg Economics says there have been plenty of signs the labor market is weakening fast. Well, this data comes as traders have recalibrated their wagers on the timing and extent of interest rate cuts. The swaps pricing shows the chances of a Fed rate cut in March slipped below 60% for the first time since the middle of December. That's down from 80% just on Friday. The policy-sensitive two-year yield jumped 14 basis points on Wednesday, its biggest one-day gain since June. I'm John Tucker, Bloomberg Radio. All right, John, thanks. In corporate news, Apple will sell its smartwatches without a blood oxygen feature in the United States after it lost a legal dispute with the health technology company Massimo. The new models will still include the blood oxygen monitoring tool, but it won't function. And in another blow to Apple, Karen, Netflix says it's not planning to launch an app for the Vision Pro headset. This is a sizable omission for the $3,500 technology, which debuts next month. Apple's banking on entertainment content to help market the Vision Pro. Netflix is a must-have streaming service for many consumers. And staying in the tech sector here, Nathan, Sheryl Sandberg will step down from the board of Meta Platforms this year. We get more from Bloomberg's Doug Krisner. Sandberg joined Facebook in 2008 as second to co-founder Mark Zuckerberg, and she served as chief operating officer, helping to grow Facebook from a promising internet startup into a digital advertising powerhouse. Sandberg often served as the public face of the company, particularly among policymakers and regulators. She left the COO role in 2022, but remained a director. At the same time, Sandberg began spending more time on philanthropic efforts. Now she'll serve as an advisor to Meta. It's unclear if Meta plans to replace Sandberg on the board. In New York, I'm Doug Krisner, Bloomberg Radio. All right, Nathan, thanks. It's time now for a look at some of the other stories making news around the world. For that, we're joined by Bloomberg's Amy Morris. Amy, good morning. Good morning, Karen. The Senate is set to hold a series of votes on the final passage of that stopgap funding bill. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer says it's next up to the House. We hope that the House will take up this bill before the Friday deadline with bipartisan support. The stopgap funding bill is expected to easily pass to the Senate today. The funding deadline's tomorrow night. The New Hampshire primary only days away. Nikki Haley, Ron DeSantis trying to push ahead after Donald Trump's commanding performance in Iowa. Bloomberg senior national political correspondent Nancy Cook tells us Donald Trump has turned his focus now to Nikki Haley. Trump is sending out missives about Nikki Haley. They're advertising against her. He's doing rallies. And what he's going to and he and his team are going to spend the week doing is really calling out Nikki Haley on a bunch of policy positions, past statements she's made on raising the retirement age, Mm -hmm. what she has said on China. And it's really going to be vicious for the next week. Bloomberg senior national political correspondent Nancy Cook says Haley does need a strong showing in New Hampshire before moving on to her home state of South Carolina, which Cook says is more Trump country. 
The anniversary of the Supreme Court decision overturning Roe v. Wade comes up on Monday. Senate Democrats held a briefing on the state of abortion rights in the U.S., and they were joined by Dr. Austin Denard, an OBGYN in Texas. We no longer have the basic human rights for freedom and self-determination that my mother and her generation relied on for nearly 50 years. The lawmakers suggested the vast majority of Americans support the right to abortion and that it should be women making decisions about their pregnancies, not politicians or judges. Fourteen Democrats are joining House Republicans in denouncing President Biden's border policies. A GOP resolution passed in the House yesterday with full Republican support, urging Biden to end what they call his administration's open border policy. Former President Trump says he's the one who should be seeing a payday from the E. Jean DeCarroll defamation trial. A judge overseeing Carroll's defamation trial against Trump threatened to toss him out after Carroll's lawyers complained that he was making comments that the jury could hear. Global News, 24 hours a day and whenever you want it with Bloomberg News Now. I'm Amy Morris, and this is Bloomberg. Karen. All right, Amy, thank you. Well, we do bring you news throughout the day right here on Bloomberg Radio. But now, as Amy said, you can get the latest news on demand. That means whenever you want it. Just subscribe to Bloomberg News Now, and you can get the latest headlines right at the click of a button. Get informed on your schedule. You can listen and subscribe to Bloomberg News Now on the Bloomberg Business app, Bloomberg.com, plus Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. It's time now for the Bloomberg Sports Update. Here's John Stashauer. John. Karen, you can forget about the idea of Bill Belichick coaching the Dallas Cowboys. Mike McCarthy is keeping his job. He'll be back for a fifth season. He certainly had regular season success in Dallas. Not so much in the postseason where he's 1-3. And, and, of course, the Cowboys were just upset at home by Green Bay. As for Belichick's old job in New England, it now belongs to Gerard Mayo. He was a former Patriots player and assistant coach. He actually had it written into his contract that he would replace Belichick. I'm not trying to be Bill. I think that Bill is his own man. Uh, If you can't tell by now, I'm a little bit different even up here. Uh, But what I will say is, you know, the more I think about, the more I think about, like, the lessons that I've taken from Bill, hard work works. Mayo gets the job at the age of 37. Trade in the NBA. Toronto, who made a big trade with the Knicks recently, made another one with Indiana sending two-time All-Star Pascal Siakam to the Pacers for Bruce Brown and three first-round draft picks. The Raptors then won by 24 over Miami. The Celtics won easily over San Antonio. 117-98, and the Celtics are now 20-0 at home. Lakers beat Dallas. Knicks beat Houston. Portland, a two-point win over Brooklyn. College basketball, UConn, number one in the country, and now 16-2 with a win over Creighton. At the Australian Open, the top seed on the women's side, Iga Shiantek had uh, some troubles, but got by Daniel Collins. John Stash, now we're Bloomberg Sports. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at CarterEconomicForum.com. From coast to coast, from New York to San Francisco, Boston to Washington, D.C., nationwide on Sirius XM, the Bloomberg Business App, and Bloomberg.com, this is Bloomberg Daybreak. 
Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. Geopolitical risk has certainly not gone away for markets, but now it's getting even more attention following the latest U.S. strikes on Houthi targets in Yemen. There was another round overnight. Now Pakistan is engaged in tit-for-tit attacks with the Houthis' main backer, Iran. All this as the war between Israel and Hamas rages on in Gaza. So for the very latest, we are joined by Bloomberg News Senior Editor Bill Ferries. Bill, uh, start us off with the latest on these U.S. strikes against the Houthis. What's the latest. Hey, thanks for having me, Nathan. Yeah, overnight, it's been a it's just been a busy past several hours. Overnight, the U.S. launched uh, strikes on what it said were 14 Houthi missiles in Yemen that they said presented an imminent threat to vessels in the region. They said these missiles were basically loaded and ready to be fired off and that the U.S. was acting preemptively to uh, target them and destroy them before they could do more damage. It's the fourth round of, uh, of U.S. strikes or U.S. led strikes on Yemen over really about the last week or so. Uh, And it came just hours after the Houthis managed to launch another uh, attack on a commercial vessel, a U.S.-owned vessel in the Red Sea. So I think what we've seen is that these multiple rounds of attacks uh, have not prevented the Houthis from being able to still get uh, some strikes in against ships in the Red Sea. And that, of course, has been a big disruption for global trade. You've got a lot of shipping companies trying to reroute around the around the, uh, the tip of Africa uh, or find other ways to get their goods to market. And we're seeing modest movement in the oil market uh, in light of these latest attacks. Is there a risk now that the U.S. could be drawn even further into action in Yemen, given that we are still seeing the Houthis managing to carry out strikes in the Red Sea? Yeah, I mean, I don't think you. Uh, I don't, there's nobody really at this point talking about uh, some kind of a ground invasion or anything. But there are, you know, the U.S. and its allies have a lot of firepower based on the Red Sea at this point. There aren't nearly as many commercial vessels going through there, uh, but they're still unable to to stop these kind of attacks. And you you have to start wondering how long uh, can this go on? How long will global trade be disrupted? When will that really start to emerge in the prices that consumers pay for a whole range of goods and what, of course, will be the human cost on all this. But uh, it certainly seems at this point that this could drag on for weeks, if not months. And this raises a question as well about uh, whether Iran can bring any influence to bear here. But now we're seeing Iran engaged in attacks with Pakistan. And of course, it continues to back Hezbollah and, of course, Hamas in Gaza. Exactly. And they're actually, even on top of all that, there was an Iranian attack uh, on a facility in northern Iraq just a, a day or so ago. But yeah, the latest we found uh, that Pakistan uh, had a, a reprisal attack against Iran overnight, responding to uh, attacks from Iran on Wednesday. They hit targeted strikes on what they said were militant hideouts in Iran Uh, And this is not something that really anyone was really predicting uh, even a week or or so ago. You'd have Pakistan and Iran involved in in some kind of a conflict. It does look like now that both sides are trying to find a way to talk each other down. Uh, You even had the Pakistan army saying that it's a time for dialogue. It was a similar message coming out of Pakistan's foreign ministry today. Uh, But it is a very unsettled situation. And of course, both sides have to play to their domestic political constituencies. So while there is some expectation that maybe uh, there's been a proportionate response and things will start to ease, there's no certainty of that at this point.
And of course, uh, Pakistan and Iran both have the support and alliance with China. Is there a role for China here uh, in trying to bring some of these tensions in the Middle East uh, down from a boil? Yeah, publicly, China is not saying very much other than that it's it's tracking the developments, and they said they want both sides to exercise restraint and, and calmness. Uh, but I, I would think, uh, you would think behind the scenes, China does not want to see two of its kind of key allies in that region fighting with each other. That's a big distraction for it. Uh, I think uh, I think so far China has been happy to see the U.S. taking the lead in places like the Red Sea. It has not engaged with the Israel-Hamas conflict very much at all. But it doesn't want to see its partners starting to uh, to fight, you know, and militarily start to go after each other in such a critical part of the world. This is Bloomberg Daybreak today, your morning brief on the stories making news from Wall Street to Washington and beyond. Look for us on your podcast feed at 6 a.m. Eastern each morning on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each morning starting at 5 a.m. Wall Street time on Bloomberg 1130 in New York, Bloomberg 99.1 in Washington, Bloomberg 1061 in Boston, and Bloomberg 960 in San Francisco. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. Plus, listen coast to coast on the Bloomberg Business app, Sirius XM, the iHeartRadio app, and on Bloomberg.com. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. Join us again tomorrow morning for all the news you need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.